Thank you, Randy, and good morning once again. I'm going to take this opportunity to ask you to reach into your bulletins and pull out the sermon handout. We're going to begin a new sermon series today, first day of June, first sermon of the new series on Philippians. On the back side of it is the MPG, the Memorize, Prayer, Glorify. The MPG is about taking the sermon further down the road and just not allowing it to, to just kind of settle in on a Sunday morning and go no further, but to have it for the rest of the week. And there are some things we're going to ask you to memorize this week. The, uh, the main uh, text of this sermon series, we're going to ask you to do a very specific prayer request this week. And then under the glorify section, there's an exercise we want you to do this week as well, all of it pertaining to the sermon this morning. A couple of pieces of good news. You know, we've been praying that uh, some oxygen concentrators that we purchased and sent to Kakinada, India, uh, to Ricky Gudum and to the work he's doing there. As you know, India has just been devastated by COVID-19, and it's, it's maybe starting to level out a little bit, but one of the big needs is these oxygen concentrators. And we sent four. The four have arrived and are now in possession of, uh, of Ricky and the church there in India. They're going to go a great distance in helping a lot of people as they get better and recover from COVID-19. There are a couple of others that are arriving last week and this week that we're going to be sending as well. But I just want to say thank you for all of your prayers. And let's continue to pray that there will be success in getting these things into the right hands. And then uh, secondly... Uh, we had a couple of baptisms this last week, and uh, one of them was Lauren Collins. She was rebaptized yesterday by her family. She was at the early service. We recognized her, and we want you to pray for Lauren as she, she grows in her life as a disciple of Jesus. And then this last Sunday, Yadira Reda Ortiz was baptized. She's, where is she at? Raise your hand, Yadira. Oh, she's over here in the back. Wave your hand. Welcome. We're grateful for her decision and uh, for the influence that Mamie Cleary, her caregiver, uh, has, has given to her over the, the last several weeks. Now, uh, as I said, we're going to begin a new sermon series out of the letter we know as Philippians, and we want to begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the life that you give us in Christ Jesus. It is a wondrous life. It is an awesome life. It is a gift to us. And the way that you shape our lives and, and the way that you, you shape our thinking and our behavior, Father, is not only a blessing to our own lives, but a blessing to the community around us and to our fellowship here, this family of, 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 of believers, of disciples, Father, who have given themselves to become like your son Jesus. And so as we go through this book in the coming weeks, Father, we ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear in such a way that we turn towards you and are transformed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we begin Philippians today, and we're going to call this sermon series Shine. And it comes out of the letter to the Philippians, but is primarily this verse out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. that says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. I want you to say that with me then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Let's do that one more time. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. The big question for us this morning is, what does it mean to shine? 
I mean, what Paul is doing here is telling the church in the first century, as well as our church in the 21st century, that you need to shine. So the big question is, what does it mean to shine as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus? How do you shine as a follower of Jesus? Well, I think that it mainly, basically, means two things. Think of two words, beautiful and noticeable. Beautiful and noticeable. Let's look at that first word just for a second. Beautiful. Beauty is something that shines. Things that are beautiful just shine. A beautiful smile beams. A a beautiful diamond just sparkles. A beautiful bride glows. A, A beautiful spirit just radiates. Now, nobody says a sack of garbage shines, do they? I mean, it may reek, but nobody says that it shines. So that's the first word, beautiful. The second word is noticeable. Something that is noticeable is something that stands out. It catches your eye. It grabs your attention. It can even capture your imagination. And what Paul does in this letter is to tell the church in Philippi that in your culture, in the world that you live in, you're to shine like stars in the dark night. That you shine like stars, beautiful and noticeable in the world. In fact, that's going to be our theme statement as we go through Philippians. It's up here on the screen. The church is a beautiful and noticeable presence shining in the world. That's what I am and you are. That's what churches around the world are doing in the world. The church, the people of God, the family of God is a beautiful and noticeable presence shining in the world. But here's the thing. You know as well as I do that people a lot of times do not shine. This last week I was reading an article about some things, a, a growing tension on the East Coast. You know, as the pandemic is, is diminishing and people are feeling a little bit braver and a little bit freer to go outside and enjoy each other, there are these parks with, out on the East Coast, state parks and city parks that have bike paths on them. And there are people that are just so hungry to get outside that even though they may have limited power and they may have some, some disabilities, they buy these e-bikes, which is an enhanced bike. It's electronically has a little bit of a motor on it. And if you have not enough horsepower or there's just some physical limitations, it allows you, though, to be able to get out on these paths, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy being outside, and to get on a path and see some of God's good creation. But what's happening, ironically, is everybody is so happy about getting out, is that people that are riding more traditional bikes are calling out the people on the e-bikes. And as they're going down these paths, the people on the e-bikes are reporting that the traditional bikers, the traditional cyclists, are going by and accusing them of cheating. Of cheating! They're outside. They're enjoying. I mean, everybody's outside. Why can't we just love one another, right? We will fight about everything and anything in this world. In fact, you know as well as I do that in our culture, there are three C's. We are hypercritical. We criticize and criticize and criticize. If you don't believe me, just get on Twitter. We criticize. We have such a critical spirit spirit in this in this culture we live in a call out culture i mean we have no problem throwing people under the bus we will call them out we will call them out by name we will we will throw them under a bus or a train and if that's not enough we will cancel we criticize we call out and we even cancel people we cancel people 
in this world. This is due in part to what public thinkers and philosophers and you know, culture watchers call the motive attribution asymmetry. Motive attribution asymmetry. And ba- that's just a fancy way of saying that when you and I have a disagreement, when you and I have, are frustrated with each other because we're not on the same page, I'm going to view it this way, that, that I'm righteous and that my information is flawless. And that you, on the other hand, are stupid and evil. And that happens all the time. We see it all around us. This, this motive attribution asymmetry. I'm good, you're bad. I'm right, you're wrong. And nobody is listening to one another. And it's into this kind of a world, into this kind of a culture, that the church, by Paul, is called to shine. Called to have a noticeable beauty as it pertains to life in general, but people specifically, but people in particular. And that means as we go through this culture where we are calling each other out and criticizing each other and canceling each other out, it means that we have to fight the temptation to adopt the ugly worldly ways of dealing with people disagreements. Don't adopt that way of dealing with the people disagreements and the people frustrations, but on the other hand, to offer an alternative way of doing life with people. And right at the very beginning of the letter, we call Philippians, is verse 3, and Paul gives us the alternative. I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God every time I remember you. Paul is in prison. He's writing letters. He thinks, I need to send one to the church in Philippi. And as he sits down, he begins, and you do this as well when you think about the church at Mac. In your mind's eye, you see all of these faces, these people that make up the church body, the, the, the church family at Mac. He's doing the same thing in Philippi. And as he's sitting in that cell, and he's writing, 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 these, these pictures of the faces. And he doesn't even get out of the, you know, the Apostle Paul in, in the introduction. He doesn't even get out of that before his heart begins to overflow and to brim with thankfulness for the people, just in remembering them. And then just a couple of verses later, Paul says, I have you, verse 7, I have you in my heart. I have you in my heart. And then in the next verse, he says, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ, which means that he feels for the people in the church in Philippi the way that he imagines Christ feels about them and longs for them. In other words, instead of looking for a reason to be unthankful, which is the easiest way to live in this world right now, right? Instead of looking for for reasons to be unthankful for people, we as disciples of Jesus who understand that people are made in the image of God and have been redeemed and reconciled and forgiven, God's Spirit put inside in them, we see reasons to be thankful for people. I mean, a lot of time it's a, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it's up with Jesus, but it's down with Christians. I really like Christ, but I don't know about his disciples all that much. Listen, here is a truth that I, I want you to never, ever, ever, ever forget when it comes to Christ and the church. Christ and the church are a package deal. You can't have one without the other. That's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And in the 11 verses that 
that Randy read for us, he gives us three, there are probably more than that, but I want to give you three reasons that Paul is thankful for the people in his church, Church of Philippi, and reasons for you and me to be thankful for every member of the MacArthur Park Church of Christ. Number one, I want you to say it with me. It's up here on the screen. My people are saints. When you think about the church, the church is your people. And you know what your people are? Your people are saints. My people are saints. Now, an earlier NIV translation of the very first verse in this letter we call Philippians goes this way. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Now, if you have one of the more recent translations, the, in our um, versions of the NIV, it reads this way. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus in Philippi. One says saints, the other says God's holy people. Question is, which is right? The answer is, they both are. That's what it means to be a saint. It means to be a holy person. Saints are not special Christians. Saints are all Christians. A saint is a person that God has made holy, literally means has made set apart by God. And this is what God does for all of His children. We are sinners. We are broken. We are in, we are in uh, ruin as human beings. And what God does through the process of sanctification and, and, and forgiveness of our sin and reconciling us, He has put us into a process of becoming unruined. To be a saint means that God is making us holy as he is holy, which means, that's a, basically another way of saying that we are the image bearers of God still as his holy people. That means that the people in this church family and all church families, that means that Christians, that disciples of Jesus are like no other people on earth. Saints are people whose relationship with God is intact. And that's not because we just happen to be cute and adorable. That is not because of anything that we have done, but it is a work of God. People are made saints because that's what God does to them. In another letter, the letter that we call Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 11, we read that the one who makes people holy, that is, Christ, God, makes people holy, and those who are made holy are of the same family. My people, in other words, are saints. You go over to Hebrews chapter 10. We have been made holy, we have been made saints, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now, believe it or not, you and I are going to be tempted when we interact with brothers and sisters. We are going, the temptation is going to come that we're going to call a brother or a sister in frustration, in disagreement. We are going to call them an idiot. We're going to call them an idiot. You know, it's pretty easy to call your brother an idiot when, you know, he's just Joe Schmo from Kokomo. But if you call him St. Joe Schmo from Kokomo, it's a different thing. It, it's pretty easy to call your brother an idiot when you forget that he's a saint. We have to remember, we must always remember as the body of Christ, as people in the same family, connected to each other, not by our blood, but by the blood of Christ, that saints come in all shapes and sizes 
and sometimes they are deeply flawed, but they have put their faith in God. And they have been born again through baptism into the family of God. Jesus died for them as much as he died for you. Now they have a responsibility to grow up into their sainthood, to grow up into holiness because we're called to live holy lives, which now brings me to the second point. Not only do we look at each other and say, my people are saints, but we also say, reason number two, my people are a God work in progress. He says in verse 6 that he, God, who began a good work in you, that God's beginning to do, that God's working in your life, will carry it on. That means that God's not going to quit. He will carry it on to completion. One day you're going to look like Jesus until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, one of the things that Ellen and I think are more thankful for than anything else are people who can change. Do you know how much courage and strength and effort, how much energy it takes to change and to become like Jesus? And to find people who are so serious about that. I mean, we are thankful for people who are getting better and better and better and better. And that is supposed to be your trajectory, my trajectory, until the day that we see Jesus. In fact, we are told in 1 John chapter 3 that we become like Jesus, become like Jesus, become like Jesus, until the day that we see Jesus as He is, and that's when we become like Him. When you become a disciple of Jesus... God not only makes you a saint, but He helps you to live like one. In chapter 2, verse 13, Paul writes that God works in us, works in me, works in you to will and to act according to His good purposes. That God is at work in your life, helping you to desire and to have the appetites and the behaviors and the value systems and the affections that God has that represent His kingdom. That is something to be thankful for, that we are changing. That means that the church is the greatest chance for humans to become what they were always meant to be. And that's not an idiot. It's a saint. And Paul is thankful, when he's in that cell and he's writing, he's thankful for the church in Philippi for three things that are now possible in their lives. Number one. An abounding love. How thankful are you that you are part of a church family that will love you when you're not lovable? That when you're down and when you're out, there are people that are going to be in your life. That when you, are, when you have made the most horrendous mistake in your life and you feel that tremendous guilt and, and, and you, are, you are under the weight of that issue, that you never do that alone. And you know in your mind that God is with you, but then there's that tangible presence of brothers and sisters abounding in love, even when you're not very lovely, who will stand beside you as your brother or stand beside you as your sister. Paul says, this is my prayer in verse 9. I, when he's thinking about all those faces and all the things that they're going to face, he says, my, I, I pray for you that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. As God loves, we love. As God loves, we love. 
We are thankful that as God loves us, that there is a church that is full of people who are becoming better and better and better and better and more refined and more sophisticated at loving each other the way that God loves us. Are you thankful for that? That we are not who we were and we're not yet what we're going to be, but in the meantime, our deeply flawed selves are in the hands of God who is shaping our lives to love like Him. And just in this, this culture of, of criticizing and calling out and canceling, this church more than ever is needed in this community to show what the abounding love of God looks like. And they see it first in the way we relate to each other. Number two, a growing wisdom. He says in the next verse, verse 10, that you may be able to discern what is best. It's a wonderful thing to have wise people in your life. People that can discern things. Because, you know, listen, every, every bad decision that I have ever made in my life was made by me. And you know what? When it comes to selling you know, me anything, I'm a sucker for me. I can talk myself into anything. And I bet you can too. And one of the things that's great about being in a church family is that you're surrounded by people who have discernment. That they're able to discern what is best. And discernment is not just being able to recognize and to stay away, to avoid the things that are bad, but it's also to follow the things that are right. And you have at your disposal in these relationships that we call the church, you have disciples of Jesus who are growing in their ability to be wise and discerning in this world and to help you to avoid mistakes. If only we're humble enough to accept advice. I'm thankful for mentors. I'm thankful for people who love me and know how to speak the truth and love to me and speak truth in a way into my heart, into my mind, into my soul in such a way that I step around the snares. And then the fruit of righteousness. He says in verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ and the glory and the praise of God. I mean, not only are we abounding in love and growing in wisdom, but we're, 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 we're changing. One of the things that happens when we come together is we see people and if we know their story and we know where they've been and what they've become, it's a great encouragement to us to see that if they were like this and now they have become this, then maybe the same can happen for me. And that's really what God is doing in your life. That's what discipleship is all about. Now, I've never seen the movie, you know, but uh, you know the movie Benjamin Buttons? I've never seen it. I kind of know the trajectory of it. I mean, when you think about the world, what's happening in the world, right? Everything kind of begins new, everything begins fresh, and because of the nature of the world, everything is falling, everything is in bondage to decay, and it's on this trajectory of newness, newness, oldness, oldness, all the way down, finally to death, right? But in the kingdom of God, it's different. Now, in this movie, Benjamin Buttons, there is this really old, old, old guy, through the process of aging reversal, wakes up one day, and he's Brad Pitt. Now that is what God is doing in the kingdom of God to you. God is, is, is taking your broken life and your wounded life and all of your hurts, all of your foibles, all, all of your problems, all of your issues, all of your weaknesses, all of the places where there are chinks in the armor. And what He's doing through the power of His Spirit as you walk with the Spirit, live in agreement with the Spirit, and allow the Spirit to work in your life and you're obedient to God, is He's beginning to take you from this old broken person and turn you into Jesus of Nazareth. Fruit 
is the sign of a healthy plant or a healthy tree. And when you begin to be righteous in the sense, a righteous life in the sense of patience, love, kindness, self-control, he's reversing the process of decay, of sin in your life. That's a beautiful thing. My people are saints. My people are a God work in progress. And reason number three, my people work to bless the world. Saints are people who are set apart for God. They are made to look like Jesus in order to do a work that is bigger than they are. Your partnership in the gospel, verse 5, he says, is this thing that stands out in Paul's mind. That it's not just him, but they together as the church. He is the apostle, you know, the, the missionary. That together, they're in partnership in the gospel from the beginning until the end. You know, one of the things that I'm thankful for this church is when I think about all of the ways that you bless people in the community by just being a disciple of Jesus. One of the most incredible things about being part of a church family is that outside of you know the, the, the worship and the, the fellowship and you know the f- sense of forgiveness, I mean, we're actually trying to be an answer to the problem of brokenness in the world. That we are the people who shine. I want you to say this with me. You know, when you think, when, you, when the temptation comes for you to think poorly about a brother or sister, I want you to say with me, my people are saints. Say it with me. My people are saints. And when you're tempted to, to, to sit on the other side of the pew from somebody because they said something or they did something or maybe you just don't like the way they look or whatever it might be, I want you to say to yourself, my people are a God work in progress. Say it with me. My people are a God work in progress. And then when you think about all of the possibilities that this church has in, in, in the middle of a community like this, and the way that when we are shining like a light, shining like stars, that there is a beauty and a noticeability to the gospel that is given to every single citizen. We're thankful. And we say, my people are they work to bless the world. My people work to bless the world. You know, I'm not a song leader. Ben is a phenomenal song leader. I, I sing more like, you, you know, they say, a guy in prison, you, you know, I'm, I'm always behind a few bars, and I never have the right key. But there's a song that I want you to sing with me right now, the two verses of it, and uh, it's a song that we learned at the very beginning of our Christian life, and it goes like this. Get your fingers up, and just sing with me. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine all the time. Let it shine, oh yeah. All around this city of mine, I'm going to let it shine. All around this city of mine, I'm going to let it shine. All around this city of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine all the time, let it shine, oh yeah, amen. Let's all stand and sing.